right. Open your Bibles, please. First John, third chapter, the eighth verse. First John, third chapter, and the eighth verse. Hallelujah. Everybody have it? Okay. It reads this way. He who sins is of the devil. That's plain enough, right? For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Now, please don't anybody get in a combination of you sinned in the last three weeks and, oh, Lord, it must be the devil. Who is talking about is people who practice sin as a lifestyle. All right? So all the heathens who are going around saying that we're all God's children, they're, first of all, that's a lie. In the eighth chapter of John, Jesus said, you are of your father the devil. So we're not all God's children. Those who serve God, we're his children. Amen. Those who've received Jesus Christ, we're his children. Okay, so he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That he might destroy the works of the devil. So we're talking tonight, this is part two of the message we started last Wednesday night. Therefore, wherefore, this and that. Therefore, wherefore, this and that. Can you say amen? Amen. Father God, tonight we thank you for the opportunity we have to hear and receive your word from heaven. I ask that, Father, you speak through me uh, words that will enrich our lives, words that will uh, charge us and challenge us, words that will uh, increase uh, us on the inside and get us closer to that place that you've called us to be. I pray, Father, that God, you give each and every one of us hearing ears, seeing eyes, receiving hearts. I ask you for divine utterance, that I may speak that which you give me, and divine unction to flow in whatever manner you give me to flow in. I pray that you have your way this place tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. All right. Therefore, wherefore, this and that, part du. Is that French? I got it, boy. Speaking Spanish tonight, French. Hallelujah. See what other other languages I'm going to bring out tonight. Boy, it's going to be great. Hallelujah. (laughs) So in Genesis chapter 1, I'm going back to review, right? Genesis chapter 1, we've been talking about from 26, 27, 28, about how God uh, created man in his own image, male and female. He created them, right? Then he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful. What else? Multiply. What else? Fill the earth. What else? Subdue it and have what? Dominion. Dominion over this, 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 and this, and that, and so forth, okay? So he wants us to be fruitful and multiply, which means to produce and reproduce. Every one of us, God has given us the, the command and the empowerment called the blessing to produce, that's be fruitful, and to reproduce, that's multiply. So when you see fruitful and multiply, you're talking about producing and reproducing, producing and reproducing. We're all meant to be producers and reproducers, not just consumers. And most people in the body of Christ have fallen into this law, this rut of being consumers. You look at see how quiet y'all, y'all are? Of being consumers. I just go out there and I just take life as it comes and I'm just going to take whatever somebody else produces and I'm just going to be the one sitting there in awe of what other people are doing rather than me being the producer and reproducer. See how, y'all, see how your neighbor looking at me? Produce, we're, we're called to produce and reproduce and we don't get off the hook because we start turning you know, 40 and 50 and 60 years old. Hallelujah. 
See, if you limit that verse to just having babies, then if you never got married, you say, well, that don't apply to me. Or you hit a certain age, you say, well, I'm past the age of childbearing, you, that don't apply to me. But this isn't talking about just having babies. This is about you and me being producers and reproducers in the earth. There's something God has empowered us and graced us to produce in the earth. Now, I told you that the blessing is the power God gives man to reproduce heaven on earth. So one thing we should be, we should be producing and reproducing is heaven on earth. The qualities of heaven we should be producing out on earth. That's what God gave Adam the instruction to do, right? God put Adam in this Garden of Eden. I shouldn't get way all over there. God put Adam in this Garden of Eden, and he uh, saw what heaven looked like. And then his command was to go out through the earth and reproduce what he saw throughout the earth. You got it? Again, I don't want to get way over there and all that stuff. Okay. So the blessing I told you releases something called grace, right, which is divine ability, divine wisdom, divine energy, on purpose and for purpose. Right? So grace, God gives it to me on purpose and for purpose. So if God gives me grace, there's a reason for it. And he'll only give it to me if there's a reason for it. He'll only give it to me if I'm going to do or if I am doing what he's called me to do, the purpose that that he's given me. So grace won't come on you just to live. Okay, let 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 me maybe correct that. There is a little grace to live, okay? There's grace. We're saved by grace. But the greater grace, the Bible talks about the manifold grace of God. There's the, the greater grace comes on us. Uh, Acts 4. Give me Acts 4 and uh, let's try verse 12. Acts 4 and let's try verse 12. Hallelujah. Nope, that's not it. Acts, uh, let, me, let, me, let me find it. Acts 4. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit just said something, so let me go over here and put my eyes right on that verse. Acts 4. And um, oh Lord, I'm looking for the scripture, and they may find it quicker than I can. Where the Bible says, "And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ." And great, great, what, what is it? 33. Four and thirty-three. Okay, so I was right. Chapter verse thirty-three, verse thirty-three, and with great power. The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace, come on. Why was the great grace, why was great grace on them? <laughs> See, because they're doing something. Y'all missing, y'all not. See, there, you, there's, there's grace for you to get saved and grace for you to live, but if you want great grace, you need to be doing something. Producing and reproducing. Doing what God has called you to do. So he gives us grace on purpose for purpose. Okay, this is going to be one of those nights. All right. All right. So, so we, we get this grace on us for us to do something with it. Okay? Now, we've been talking about your identity. Remember in, in Genesis 1.27, he made man in his own image and according to his likeness, right? So I've, I told you there's a battle over our identity. Because if Satan steals our identity, he prevents our purpose. Okay? He'll block us from doing our assignments and he'll deny us from fulfilling our destiny, okay? 
So I showed you last week that we must be certain about our identity and comfortable about or in our purpose. Okay? Now go to the book of John, the gospel of John, John 3, and I want to remind you of something. I'm not going to read all of that, but where John the Baptist was confronted by the people who came and began to question him, this, not this time about who he was, but about G, tell him about what Jesus Christ was doing. Remember, John's down there baptized, and they come and say, hey, Jesus, hey, John, uh, you know that guy down, they didn't even say his name, that guy down there, that the one that you testified of who he was, he's over, over, there, over there baptizing, and everybody's coming to him. First of all, they're lying. Everybody wasn't coming to him, right? Because John was sitting there baptizing people at the moment. But they're trying to get John stirred up, riled up about Jesus Christ doing his assignment. Now, the whole point of that from the enemy is to get John uh, dissatisfied with where God has him. Now, John, this is important because the devil will do you, you and me the same way. Well, he'll make sure you see what somebody else is doing. He'll make sure you see somebody else's success, someone else's increase, and have you and me get all fretful and worried about, well, when is my time? And God, when is God going to use me? And why, why hasn't it happened in my life like that? I started before them. I've been running this race longer than they have. I've been preaching longer than they have. I've been doing, I've been serving much longer than they have. How come, God, how come you're, you're using them like that? But John was, was, he was certain of his identity and comfortable in his own purpose. In, in John 3, uh, verse 27, this is a big scripture here. You ought to highlight it, circle it, underline it, something. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. So you can't receive, remember I told you that word is receive is a Greek word, lambano, which means to have and to hold. It means to seize, to lay hold of something. You can't hold on to something. You can't have something unless God gives it to you. So if God doesn't give you that ministry, you can't have that ministry. If he doesn't give you that assignment, you can't have that, that assignment. If he doesn't give you that purpose, you can't have that purpose. Now you can fake it. You can do it, but it's not going to last. Because anything you do by the flesh, you got to keep by the flesh, and your flesh will profit nothing. You can't hold on to it in your flesh. Oh, you hear me? So you and I only want those things that come from heaven. Hallelujah. If heaven doesn't give it to me, I don't want it. Hallelujah. I have to fight too hard to keep it if God doesn't give it to me. But if God gives it to me, he's going to fight for me. Oh, you hear what I'm saying to you? Okay. So he said, uh, uh, I, I told you already, verse 28, I'm not the Christ. I've been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, the best man, who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy is of mine is fulfilled. Uh, in other words, I'm happy seeing him come into his ministry. I'm happy seeing him come into his, into his success. I'm happy seeing him come into his wealthy place, if you, if you allow that. I'm not jealous of him. And what the devil wants to do is get you and me jealous of someone else's um, success in their lane to get us to try to switch over and say, you know, it's kind of like I, I watch, uh, I've been around baseball for many years. Uh, our son plays baseball, and uh, so I've been coaching for a lot of years, and and uh, it's funny when you're there in the dugout and uh, one, one kid will hit a home run or hit, start hitting the, hitting the ball hard with, with, the, with his bat. And all of a sudden, all the other boys want to use his bat because they think it's got to be the bat. 
Y'all remember back in the early days of uh, Michael Jordan and, and Mars Blackman? Must be the shoes. It's, it's got to be the shoes. Right? But it's not the shoes. It's not, and it's not the bat. It's there's something that's on that person or in that person that gives them the ability. You can use the bat, but you're not going to get the same results as using the bat because it ain't the bat. So the devil wants to get you and me trying to go use somebody else's bat. Remember I told y'all last week I was going to bring the toolbox out here and I was going to start using props, but I'm not a prop preacher. There, there are prop preachers who they use props every time they preach and, you know, that's, that's their thing. I'm not that guy and I can try to become that guy, but that's not my lane. That's not my grace and I'll probably fumble stuff trying to use props when I'm, I'm not called to use props. I'm here to just preach the word of God to you and give you illustrative words and stories and teachings. That's what God has gifted me with, with the, with the uh, gift of articulation. I can articulate things and, and, and break things down to a, a hopefully a third grade level, uh, an easy way for you to understand it. Not, I'm not picking on your intelligence. I'm just saying that's what God has gifted me to do. Hallelujah. And so that's, that's what we need. Y'all got it? So I'm not jealous because somebody else is a prop master. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All right. So John wasn't moved by these people's disturbing news. They're trying to disturb him. Amen. All right, so you and I, if we, if we let these things happen, we'll get rattled, and the devil wants us rattled, but we can't do that, all right? We stay in our lane. Tell your neighbor, stay in your lane. Do what God calls you to do. Celebrate other people's success and their, their ministries and all that stuff, and rejoice with everything God does in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So we've been talking about the fact, because John knew his identity, that our identity, my identity points to my purpose. Purpose gives parameters to my assignments. Purpose gives parameters to my assignments. So because John knew his purpose, he didn't try to take on Jesus Christ's assignment. He knew his assignment because he knew his purpose. And then we said my assignments fulfill my destiny. So because John was fulfilling his assignments, preaching, uh, repentance, baptizing, he fulfilled his destiny, doing what God called him to do. Y'all got it? All right, now, so remember I said this all boils down to identity. And so I shared with you last week, you all know how, how it went. Jesus Christ, when he was baptized, and he came up, up out of the water, and the Holy Ghost came down and descended on him in the form of a dove, and there the heavens opened, and they heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then the Bible says the Spirit of God led Jesus Christ into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, and the first thing out of the devil's mouth is this, if you are the son of God. The last audible words Jesus has heard are, you are, this is my beloved son. The next thing that he hears from the enemy is, if you are the son of God. Because he know, the devil knows that if he can attack and destroy and convolute your identity, you'll never operate in your purpose. And listen to me, the devil knew Jesus Christ was here on assignment. He knew that Jesus Christ had a purpose. He knew that Jesus Christ was here to destroy him. He knew it. The devil's known this. Remember I told you from Genesis 3.15? Y'all remember Genesis 3.15? Right? That, that the serpent will bruise the, the heel of the seed and the seed will bruise the head of the serpent? 
That was all the way back in the garden. And so the devil has been looking, trying, he's been tracking history. He's been tracking all the people that's been coming to the earth looking for that seed. He, he, he made it through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and through, through Moses and he made it through David and made it through Solomon and made it through all these people. All of a sudden, boom, he gets to this one man and he hears, this is my beloved son. He goes, uh-oh. He knows his time is almost up. So he knows Jesus' purpose, so he has to attack his identity. The devil has a clue about your purpose, so he attacks your identity to try to thwart your purpose. Y'all getting this here? Now, in Matthew 8, 28 and 29, I want you to see this in the, in the New King James. In Matthew 28, 8 and 28, 29, I'm telling you, the devil knows Jesus' purpose. It says, when he had come to the other side, he being Jesus, to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes. Now, you can also read that as the Gadarenes. It's the same story from Mark 5. Matthew um, and, Matthew and Mark's um, accounts differ a little. In that Matthew says Gergesenes, Mark says Gadarenes, uh, but Mark's writing to the Gentiles. Matthew is writing to the to the Jews. So they give a different name, and then Matthew has a little another little detail that Mark doesn't have. Matthew lists two men, whereas Mark only mentions one man. Now the difference being, Mark wasn't there, right? Mark is getting a secondhand story from Peter. Apostle Peter is the one that dictates these events to Mark. Y'all know this, right? Okay, Bible school starts in again a little bit. Okay, so uh, Peter dictates this to Mark, but Matthew has a firsthand account. He's there on site. Okay, so when it comes to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men. See, two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. Verse 29, and suddenly they cried out, saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? So they know, the devil knows there is coming a time, the judgment day. There is coming the time when he will be uh, tormented. In fact, uh, I think it's uh, Romans chapter 16 somewhere. It says that, that uh, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. So there's coming a time when, when Satan is going to be crushed completely. And the devil, when he looks up and he sees Jesus coming, he says, have you come to torment me before time? Now, this is after the baptism, after the wilderness experience. After. So in the, in the baptism, the devil heard, this is my beloved son. At the, at the, in the wilderness temptation, he questions, are you uh, God, if you're God's son? And of course, Jesus passed that test. So now Jesus Christ goes into his, into his operation. In fact, if you go back, to, don't, don't do this, but if you go back and look in your own time in Luke 4, in that temptation time, after that temptation, the Bible says in verse, verse 18 or so that Jesus Christ returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And he went into the, into the synagogue and got the book and began to open the book up, right? 
and he said, he said, um, uh, 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 the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me too. Right. Pre- remember that? Yes. Preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, set at liberty to those who are bruised, right? Preach the gospel of the Lord. So he, he's, he's on his assignment. Right. He knows his purpose. Right. So by the time you get here to Matthew chapter 8, the devil's already seen Jesus working. And he's afraid of Jesus Christ walking in his purpose, fulfilling his assignments. And when he looks up, these demons look up and see Jesus Christ coming. They say, Jesus, you son of God. See? Y'all missed that. Remember, back in the wilderness, if you be the son of God. Now they're saying, you son of God. In fact, they said it so much here to tell them, stop saying it. He had to tell them, stop saying it because they knew. They knew now because he did not... He did not um, let them steal his identity. They knew who he was. They watched what he was doing. So now they say, Jesus, you son of God, have you come here to torment us before the time? So the devil knew that Jesus' purpose was to come and not, not just torment him, but to destroy him. To destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. Y'all remember that? Okay. Um. Give me this same verse, 28 and 29. Give it to me in the message translation, please. Message translation. Look at what it says here. It says, they landed in the country of the Gadarenes and were met by two madmen, victims of demons, coming out of the cemetery. The men had terrorized the region for so long that no one considered it safe to walk down that stretch of road anymore. Now, watch. This is very good. Seeing Jesus, the madmen screamed out, what business do you have giving us a hard time? You're the son of God. You weren't supposed to show up here yet. I, I like that. I like how that. You're the son of God. You weren't supposed to come here yet. Hallelujah. They know that they had, um, even the Bible says that, that the devil knows that he has but a short time. And so when he sees Jesus manifested, or if he sees Jesusites manifested, you are a terror to him. You are a potential threat to the enemy if you know who you are and if you start doing what he calls you to do. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Let me help you. You say, well, no, Pastor, I'm not a threat. I, I, just, I, just, work, I just work media. I work the media booth. I'm not, I'm not an apostle. I'm, I'm not a prophet. No, you don't understand your part that you do is a threat to the enemy. Oh, help me. Uh, um, um, uh, if, if you're in the military, you may not be the one on the front line. You may be the cook in the mess hall. But the cook in the mess hall is just as important as the infantryman on the front line. Because if the cook doesn't cook the food, the, in- the infantryman has no strength to fight the battle. So every single one of us, if we would figure out, find out our purpose from God and fulfill our purpose from God, we are all part of the destruction of the enemy and he hates your guts. He's threatened by your mere existence if you find out who you are and what God calls you to be. So that's why he's got to keep you as far away from the word as possible. 
as far away from prophetic voices as possible, as far away from uh, being in fellowship with the saints as possible, because he knows every time you come into a house like this, you're getting a little closer to understanding what you're here for. It might be, it might be this Wednesday, it might be next Sunday, it might be on a Wednesday morning, that all of a sudden the word comes, you know, that's what I'm here for. So he's got to get people so distracted, so, so disconnected that they never get around the word where they can hear who they are or what they're here for. And he'll let you get entertained by the world. He'll even let you, oh my, help me out. He'll even, he'll even let you be entertained by gospel Christian television. But he don't want you heeding the voice of your own shepherd. Because you're going to get a clue of who you are and what God calls you to do when you hear the voice of your own shepherd. He'll let you fill up and overfill on all kind of other voices in the world. You have, there are many instructors in, there are many instructors in the world, many voices, but there are not many fathers because God has fathers to give you an idea of who you are and what you're called to do. It doesn't mean you have to go and ask pastor, what am I called to do? No, it'll be in the midst of teaching, in the midst of preaching, in the midst of a flow that you'll get, boom, I got it. I'm preaching better than y'all letting on, I know that. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm saying it for myself, hallelujah. You may not agree, but I'm telling you what the, what's the truth. So what, what, what's the devil doing here? The devil, is say, he said, what, what business do you have giving us a hard time? You're the son of God. You weren't supposed to be, show up here yet. What, what are you doing? He's trying to stall the inevitable. He knows he's doomed. But he's trying to push off the doom. He knows that you and I are here to continue the work. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So he's got to try to separate us from our identity, from our purpose, from our assignments, and from our destiny. Okay? Y'all got it? Now let's go back to 1 John 3, 8, please. 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose... The Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, remember I gave you that word uh, purpose. Uh, is the comes from the Greek word tuta, tuta, which means that thing, this thing, therefore, for this cause, and wherefore. That's where we get our subject tonight. Therefore, wherefore, this and that. So for this purpose or for that thing, the Son of God was manifested. For this thing, the Son of God was manifested. For this cause, he was manifested. Wherefore, he was manifested. Therefore, he was manifested. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, you can go right back to the context of that verse in 1 John 3, 8, where it says, uh, he who sins of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. Wherefore, the Son of God was manifested. Therefore, the Son of God was manifested. Because the, God knew that if the Son of God wasn't manifested, you and I would have no way to get out of our sin. Okay, y'all didn't catch it. 
Y'all caught it. Over here, they didn't catch anything. So I'm going to say it again for this side. If Jesus had not come, you and I could never have stopped sinning. (laughs) We were hopelessly bound in sin. So anybody in the world who thinks they can stop sinning without Jesus, they are a fool. They're ignorant. They don't know. And anybody in the world who thinks that they can just stop sinning when they want to, they are, they are crazy because um, you're, 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 the Bible says you, that you are held captive by sin. So if you're held captive by sin, there's no captives that can go and, go and come as they please. Captives don't go and come as they please. Captives do something because they're told to do something. So people sin because they're told to sin. They can't stop it. They can't help themselves. So the only way we were delivered was for the Son of God to come to destroy the works. That word works, if I remember correctly, is a Greek word, ergon. Uh, uh, The word ergon literally means a business or what that business produces. So what the devil had done was he did his business inside you, hallelujah, and the the business produces the sin. Yeah, I, this is, uh, let me help you out. Help you out. Um, um, in, 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 in Psalm 103, in the Bible says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget all his benefits. Who forgives all of your not sins? It said iniquities. The difference between sin and iniquity is sin is the action, iniquity is the heart behind it. So, 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 <laughs> that, that, that's why we need 1 John 1, 9. If we sin, right, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, but, and to cleanse us. See, that's the iniquity part. Because, because if I don't get the iniquity out, you're going to sin again. Hello, somebody. If, if, if I don't get the iniquity out, you're going to sin again. So I got I to gotta go deep. I got I gotta, you know, to get, get protein gets out the protein. I got I to gotta use the blood. I got to use the power. I got to use the glory. I got to use the anointing to get the iniquity out. So it, once the iniquity is out, now you don't have to go to that sin anymore. Hallelujah. That's, that's why people, when they go through secular programs and, and, uh, for deliverance, they end up relapsing. Because all they did was learn how to, through, through willpower, stop the sin temporarily. But if you never dealt with the iniquity, then the root of that sin is still in there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was looking and I was working in the backyard last night. Uh, early evening uh, yesterday, and uh, I noticed in, in, in one corner of our yard, there's a, I think it's called a plumeria tree, a uh, beautiful plumeria tree, that back during Hurricane Irma, when Hurricane Irma, came, when Hurricane Irma did uh, uh, side swipe us, um, our big plumeria tree in, in our, uh, I want to say our uh, north, in the northeast corner, all right, where the birdbath is. That, that tree fell, and it broke. 
and left a little stump. I, I said, I went and cut it down. And, uh, but I noticed when I was back in the backyard yesterday, there's now branches and leaves starting to grow. I said, those are plumeria leaves. Why? Because we, I didn't get the root out. about it because that pomeri trees are very beautiful. They're, they're very beautiful. Beautiful flowers and so forth. And I'm, I'm happy. And I said, praise God. But that's how sin works. Hallelujah. So for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to get down to the root. That's how country folks say it. Country folks say to the root. City for we say roots, but you got to get down to the root of the matter. Every tree my father has not planted must be plucked up, not just cut down, but plucked up from the roots. When he cursed the fig tree, the fig tree withered from the roots. Are y'all hearing that? So he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. So, every so, so thank you, Holy Ghost. So, with the works of the devil, that when the devil put his did his business, ergon, it produces it produced sin, it produced sickness. I better come back over here, y'all. It produced sickness. Sickness is a fruit from the root. It's a fruit from the root. Disease is a fruit from the root. Depression, anger, anxiety is fruit from the root. Poverty and lack is fruit from the root. God didn't produce that. That was produced from the root. It, when the devil put that in, he put that, he did his business in you. Oh, man. I, I don't want to get graphic. But when he, when he did his business on the inside of every believer, the human heart, it, he left his root, and it begins to produce sickness and disease and poverty and lack and depression and anger and anxiety and worry and fear and hatred and prejudice and strife and discrimination and all the things that, go, that are so evil in the world. And, and that's, that's why I tell you, it don't matter black, white, yellow, purple, green, if people have not dealt with the root of that iniquity in them what the devil has produced, That's why I told you uh, what Dr. Bill Winston talked about. He said, you, you can tear down every statue all across America. But if you don't get that statue from on the inside of you, you're still going to do the same thing. Hallelujah. If you don't get that root, that business, the devil's business out of you, this isn't even my notes. But if you don't get that business out of you, I can give you a million dollars a year and you're going to be broke by the end of the year every year. Because what's producing your poverty is not, is not the lack of money. It's the root of poverty. It's, it's, the, it's the devil's business on the inside of you, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I wish somebody would hear me tonight. That's what's producing poverty. No, I just, I never had a chance. Never had a chance. Give me Proverbs 22 and 2. Give me Proverbs 22, I think it's verse 2. 
never had a chance. Give me Proverbs 22, verse 2. The rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. That doesn't mean he made you rich and made somebody else poor or made you poor and made somebody else rich. That's not what it means. It means he made everybody. He gives everybody the same chance. So you and me being rich or poor is not up to God. It's up to us. Meditate on my word day and night. You'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. What's happening when you're meditating? You're chopping down, digging up, uprooting the devil's business. Oh, my. Are y'all hearing this tonight? Now, I don't know who this is for, but y'all pulling me off my notes. This, this is very important. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. So the devil... He doesn't want to be tormented. He wants to be free to torment you. Y'all understand that? I mean, fear has torment. Perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment. So the devil wants to be free to torment people. You don't have to say anything, but people get tormented in their dreams, tormented at night, tormented when they're driving to work, tormented when they're coming home. People are tormented all the time. Just tormented by the devil. And God says, I sent Jesus to torment him. And if you ever find out who you are, son of God, oh, come on. I said, if you ever find out who you are, son of God, then the devil won't be able to torment you anymore. You'll start tormenting him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's high time we start tormenting that tormentor. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. All right. Praise God. So purpose. For this purpose. Tutah. That thing, this thing, therefore, for this cause, wherefore. Your purpose, then, is your therefore. Your, your purpose, it, it's your therefore. It, it, it's your wherefore. Okay? Your purpose, it's your why. It, it's, it's, the, it's your reason for existing. You're here more than just, than to just be cute. Oh, man. Hallelujah. You're here for a lot more just than just to be a pretty face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Tell your neighbor, you're more than just a pretty face. You're, you're here for a reason. Hallelujah. Now, it's important I say that because... Again, what the devil wants to do, and I've said it, I'm saying it over and over again, is to disconnect people from their identities, right? And so one of the things that he does is uh, this thing, gender bending. Right? Where he wants to get men to think they are women or women to think they are men. Because if he, if he can distort your identity, then he distorts your purpose. Remember I told you from Psalm 139 that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So however he made you, male or female, 
it's very important you see in Genesis 1.27, it says, in his image he made them male and female, he created them. That, that, because that's important to image. It, it, it wasn't just important to sexuality, it was important to their image, their identity. I mean, we know he made them, but the Holy Ghost didn't have to point out male and female, but he did. Because that was pertinent to their identity. So however he makes you male or female, is, it, is, it is pertinent to what God has called you to be. And you have to be that to fulfill your purpose. You can't change and then fulfill your purpose. Hallelujah. I, I figured I'd have a few more amens on that, but maybe... You, 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 if God made you a man, then you have to abide in your manhood. If he made you a woman, you must abide in your womanhood. I don't, I'm not talking about being chauvinistic and being, you know, being whatever this toxic, whatever junk people use. I don't, first of all, I don't believe in toxic masculinity. I, I think more men suffer from tox, toxic femininity. I'm going to say it again. I think more men suffer from toxic femininity. A lot of preachers I see suffer from toxic femininity. I want to I wanna take some preachers behind the woodshed and whip them up a couple times and get them. Man up. Boy, straighten up. Straighten yourself up. <laughs> Go behind the woodshed, brother. Tighten up. Stop swishing across the pulpit like that. And some of the women who want to squall and ah, 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 go, go back to being a woman. Anyway, so 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 if 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 you if you twist gender, then you you lose purpose. Remember your design. Um, and the two shall become one flesh. The way he physically designed men and women is to become one flesh. They, to fit together like a puzzle. Y'all got it? Okay, so then going into, now I want you to think beyond producing and reproducing in terms of children. I want you to think in terms of producing and reproducing in terms of your purpose. Because that means that still how he made you tells us how he wants to use you. So it's no, no, no wonder the devil has done such a bang-up job to get people confused about identity, confused about gender, and to get the church to go along with it. Because then the church can't even teach purpose if, if you're going to allow people to not have uh, their God-given identity. At that point, who cares about your God-given identity or your God-given purpose? And then you become no threat to the, to the evil one. You'll never torment Satan. Matter of fact, you get into that kind of stuff, the devil will torment you. So then what he does is, if, if he can't get people involved in gender uh, um, uh, distortion, he'll, 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 he'll make a young girl grow up with an image of being a, a sex object. And, and get a young boy with an image of being a thug or being a player. 
and, and if that's the case, then what, what happens then, then, then um, uh, abnormal use becomes common. Now, I, I want to help you now. Abnormal use is a fancy way of saying abuse. The word abuse, abuse, is a shortened form of abnormal use. That's all abuse means. It's to abnormally use something that there is a normal use for. There's a normal use for womanhood. A normal use for manhood. There's a normal use for, um, for wheat and barley and the coca plant and poppy seed. There's a normal use. Y'all ain't saying much to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to say it in a way y'all can get it. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's a normal use. But if you get something, get your identity wrong, then, then and he, he, again, you don't have to go where you're switching genders. You can just, you can just um, uh, misunderstand who you are even in your proper gender. What happened then, abuse of your body becomes normal. And, and then you'll never fulfill your purpose because it's normal to abuse your own body. Or to abuse someone else's body. Hallelujah. And when that happens, there's, no, there's never any true fulfillment of purpose. It's heavy, man. It's heavy. Hallelujah. And what happens, you'll get people who walk around thinking they just, they're going to use their body to get shoes, use their body to get pur purses. <laughs> Y'all ain't saying much to me. Y'all quiet. Y'all quiet up in this Methodist church. And then what they're going to do, they're going to find a sugar daddy who's going to abuse them for the purpose of his own indulgence. Hallelujah. The Bible talks about in the last days, one of the things, notice in the last days, people being abusers of themselves with mankind. That's the mark of the last days, abusers of themselves with mankind. When you don't know who you are, you'll abuse yourself with mankind. Hallelujah. That, that, that's, that's why it's so imperative, parents and church, that we help instill in our children who they are from the time they're born, as they grow up, that they know who they are in the Lord, that they get their identity from the word of God, and not just their identity, but show them, a, give them a clue of their purpose. Yes, sir. And begin to speak and prophesy, God called you to be somebody. God called you to be somebody. There's a calling in your life. Well, what's my calling, mama? I don't know, but there's a calling. I know God has a calling in your life. What is calling? Calling is purpose. Calling is purpose. It's the reason why you exist. It's your wherefore, your therefore. 
especially if you're a single mama, you got to tell them, now, baby, you know, me, your daddy and I, things didn't work out. You know, I can't stand him. He can't stand me, and so forth. And um, <laughs> but tell them the truth. It didn't work out. You know, maybe, you know, maybe I was, I was loose. Y'all listen. I was a little loose. I, I, I didn't listen to my mom and my dad. I listened to folk, and I got out there, and I had you before time. But, hey, God brought you here. And since you're here, God has a purpose and a calling for your life. So no matter how it started, I'm going to help you get on track to discovering who God called you to be. I'm going to get you around the word. I'm going to get you around the saints. I'm going to get you around church. I'm going to, you're going to sing in a choir. You're going to go to Sunday school. You're going to go to YP. You're going to do everything because I want to get you so, so caught up in around the things of God that he has the opportunity like, like Samuel to speak to you. But as a child, you can hear the voice of God. I got to get you in the right place, in the right atmosphere, so you can hear the voice of God. Hallelujah. I might be meddling, but I think a lot more people ought to have these conversations with their children. You ought to have, say, say, baby, look, mama messed up. I'm, I'm going to look this way. Uh, son, uh, your, 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 dad, your daddy messed up. I didn't do things the right way. But uh, since you're here, since you have life in, in your body and breath in your lungs, I want you to know God has his hand on your life and there's a calling for your, there, there's a therefore, a wherefore, there's a this and there's a that that God has you here for. And I'm going to keep you in the right atmosphere till we find out. Till we find out the reason that you're here. Oh, my God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I tell you, David, you're here for a reason. You're here for a reason. I told you last week, you didn't slip into the earth. You didn't sneak in here. You didn't, you didn't sneak in here. You are here for a reason. You got to get a word from God. God, what's my reason? What's my therefore? What's my wherefore? Wherefore is for this reason. Why? Why did, why did, why did my daddy come from Alabama, my mama from Georgia? How, come, how did they meet? Why did they hook up? Why did they serve you? Why, did they, why, why didn't they stop with my sister? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? My, the, the, my older set of siblings, they're, my, my, they're eight years old. My sister's eight years older than me. You hear what I'm saying? They call these late-term babies, late-stage babies, and late-in-life babies, later on, and oops babies, they call them sometimes. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Oops, I thought we were done. But there's a reason, though. 
I thank God that I found out while I was a little teenager that God had me here for a reason. And I didn't spend my wonder years wandering around trying to find out why I'm here. I'd have to go and climb no mountain in the Himalayas trying to mm, find out. Well, no, no, I got, I was around the house of God, in, around the people of God, and I heard a voice. God, son, I've called you to preach my word. Go preach my word. Purpose. Calling. The reason you're here tonight is because I obeyed his calling. I obeyed his calling. All right, let me finish this up. We got four minutes. So why am I here? Again, therefore, wherefore, this and that. Why am I here? Why? Am I doing this or that? See, this is a question we all have to ask ourselves and assess everything we're doing. Why am I doing this or that? Is, am I doing this because this is my wherefore? Am I doing this because I'm trying to just um, occupy my time? Am I doing that because God called me to do that? Or am I doing that just to occupy my time? Fill up my calendar. Or because I saw somebody else doing it, I figured, let me, let me try that too. You can get caught up doing this and that, but it's not your this or that, and there'll be no grace on your this or that, and you'll be frustrated. Frustrated. Struggling, toiling. Huh. Want to quit? Because you got to find out your why. You're therefore, wherefore, this and that. Proverbs 29, verse 18, the scripture, you might know it. Proverbs 29, verse 18, the New King James, it says it this way Where there is no revelation, the people cast off. Restraint. Where there is no revelation, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm stop in a couple of minutes here. Just help. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. I'm going to read it again until you catch it. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Now, what is restraint? Boundaries, a self-control is a good word. Uh, in your car, they, you call it a seatbelt, but it's technically called a restraint. What the restraint does is it holds you in place. You know, you get on a ride at Busch Gardens or Disney World or, you know, at, at the, uh, the um, State Fair, Strawberry Festival. I remember the last time I got on a ride at the State Fair. That was the last time I got on a ride anywhere. I got off doing like this. I said, that's, that was just a little teapot I was going around. I was like, that's the last... Was that laugh? I said, I said, wait, how old am I? <laughs> I done checked my watch. Well, how old am I again? I should have stopped this 20 years ago. <laughs> but they, they put restraints on you to hold you in place so you don't slip out into some, somewhere you don't want to be. But without revelation, the people cast off restraints. 
Now the restraint is for your protection to make sure as the rod goes that centripetal force doesn't throw you. Y'all know what centripetal force is, right? You, you turn that corner, you know. <laughs> you know, you go around curves like around 9th Street, MLK. Some, some, you better break. When that, that, that sign flashes that slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down, you better slow down, slow down, slow down. First of all, because Johnny Law is probably right around the corner waiting on you. They lurk on 9th Street. And secondly, if you don't slow down, centripetal force will pull your car. Well, you're trying to turn this way. It'll keep pulling you that way. But if you have restraint, it holds you in place. But without a revelation, the people cast off restraint. So what, what, is, what am I trying to get you to see? That if you don't have a revelation, revelation means something that you hear and know from God, you will cast off restraint, which means you'll do anything and you'll go anywhere. And what most, I don't want to say most, many people do in the body of Christ is they're doing this and that, not because God said so, but because they haven't gotten a revelation, so they have no restraint, so they try this and try that. Experiment with this, experiment with that. I'm going to test this over here, I'm going to test that over here, and I'm going to start this, and I'm going to start that, and I'm going to stop this, and I'm going to stop that. And I'll, I'll spend all my money, and all my time, and all my energy, and get all excited about this, and then get depressed about that, all, over, all because I didn't stop and wait on a revelation. Oh, it's much more powerful than, than the revelation from God gives me a beeline. It gives me a straight target so I don't waste my time or my dimes trying to do something this or that that's not my this or that. Tell your neighbor, restrain yourself. How do I restrain myself? I make sure I get a revelation from God. So even if I look over there and look at Deke, boy, Deke's doing good. Boy, look what he's doing in his business. Look what he's doing in his career, man. I, 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 I want to try that. No, I, I restrain myself. Joe, Joe started this business over here. He's, boy, he's, making, boy, he's making money hand over fist. Boy, every time he look up, boy, he got a brand new house, brand new car, brand new boat, everything. I need to go do that. I, I restrain myself. But without a revelation, I cast off my restraint and I go try to do what he's doing or what he's doing because it looks good, but it's not for me. Thank you, Lord. No revelation, no restraint. If I have no, re no revelation, I have no restraint. You look at somebody, they're doing everything, it's because they have no restraint. You ever heard of people, jack of all trades, some jack of all trades. Well, master of none. Now, I understand you can have a little bit of knowledge of a lot of stuff, 
I, I, I think we all, we all should know a, a little bit about a lot. But you really want to know a lot about a little. You, wanna, you really want to find that thing and let God make you know a lot about that little. Because you'll actually do better, even financially, knowing a lot about the little than you would knowing a little about a lot. Because the people who really get paid, they get paid not for what they do, but for what they know. Y'all don't believe me? There, there, there are things uh, when my car has an issue, any one of our cars has an issue, I, I can YouTube, Google, and find out how to fix it. But I ain't got time to do that because I'm going to pay the folks who know what they're doing. See? So they know a, a lot about a little. They, they don't know about preaching, but they know about how to fix that car. Tell your neighbor, if you want to get paid, learn a lot about a little. You want to stay broke, learn a little about a lot. I mean, in other words, master something. What our master? Whatever he gives you a revelation. Whatever he says, that's what I've called you to do. That's what I want you to do. That's what I've graced you to do. Then you do that. All right, let's wrap up. Let's wrap up. Here's the, the King James Version, this same verse, says it this way, that where there is no, um, without, a revela- without a vision, rather, the people perish. Without a vision, the people perish. Without a prophetic vision, it really means people perish. But that, that word perish um, comes from, from the, the Hebrew word para, which literally means let loose. You actually don't see within the definition in the concordance, you actually don't even see the word perish or die anywhere. It literally means to let loose. You, you get loose. Loosey-goosey. Loose lips, you know, just loose lifestyle. So if you don't have a, have a revelation, um, you, you, you never tighten up on, on anything. If you're going to ever progress in the things of God, you've got to tighten up on something. Let's focus in on something. Y'all got it? So God gives us purpose. This, this is why we need the Holy Ghost, ladies and gentlemen. Because he gives us vision. Without a vision, people perish. So he gives visions. Okay? All right, let me, let's read one more place in scripture here. Because... My therefore comes from God. My therefore comes from God. Say it with me. My therefore comes from God. Okay? So God must open my eyes, open my eyes to my purpose and my calling. God must open my eyes to my purpose and my calling. Now we're going to read one last section of scripture here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 19. And I'm going to read it from the message translation. Ephesians 1, 15 through 19 in the message translation. It says, that's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you every time I prayed. I'd think of you and give thanks. But I do more than that. 
Here's where it gets, it gets to us here. I ask, ask God, ask the God of our master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you what? Intelligent, Intelligent and discerning in what? Watch this. Knowing him personally, your eyes, come on, focus and clear, so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. That's good. That's all I needed. So that you, to open your eyes, go back to the uh, one, kind of one, one screen, so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. To open your eyes so you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. That's revelation. That's a vision from God. So my prayer for you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, those of you that are watching us all over the world, my prayer for you tonight is that God would open your eyes so that you can see exactly what he's calling you to do. Exactly what he's calling you to do. No more guessing at it. No more piddling around this and that and that and this, but you're going to get your right this and you're right that, and you're right therefore, and you're right wherefore. You're going to get the right calls and operate in exactly what God called you to do from before the foundation of the world. Whom he predestined, he also called. Whom he predestined, he also called. Y'all got it? And so once you know what he's called you to do, and many of you are already operating in what God called you to do. Many of you are already operating what God calls you to do. Or some degree of it. How many of you feel like you're already operating in some degree of what God calls you to do? That's good. That's wonderful. My prayer for you is that you would know exactly what he calls you to do. And begin to fulfill the full measure of what he calls you to do. Because we may operate in it a little Remember Moses? Moses figured out his calling was to deliver the children of Israel. He was going to go do it one at a time. Right? He killed one Egyptian. He's going to do this thing one at a time. I'm going to get him. He got a whole strategy. And God said, oh, man. We're going to get them all, man. We're going to get them all at the same time. See? So even, so what happens is, as God begins to give you revelation, you'll begin to operate in, in it piece by piece, a little by little. But as you grow and mature in him, you'll begin to operate in the fullness of that calling on your life. And the more you operate in it, the more grace will be released in your life. Did you catch that? Did that help anybody tonight? Will you give God a praise tonight for the word of God? Come on, give God a big praise. Give God a big praise. Hallelujah. Therefore, wherefore, this and that. I'm here on assignment. I'm here on purpose. I'm a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Say that. Say, I'm a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Say it again. I'm a threat to the kingdom of darkness. That's just you being born again. Let alone 
when you show up walking in your calling and your purpose. Man, you leave him shaking and quaking in his boots. Putting the devil to flight. Hallelujah. Some people like athletes, we call some, some athletes triple threats. This is one guy named uh, Shohei Otani. He's a, he's a plays for the uh, Anaheim Angels, the, the Angels baseball team out in L.A. And uh, he can pitch. He can, he can hit. I mean, he can do everything. Just a, just a threat. When you get in your calling, you become a real threat to the enemy. That's why he's fighting you so hard. But stand up. Stand up. God's going to, he's going he's gonna to keep you. He needs you here. You know, it's, it's, it's not often that we hear in the body of Christ that God needs us. We talk so freely about how much we need God, and we do. Oh, we, we need God. How many agree with that? We need God. A, without God, we're nothing. Without God, we can do nothing. But seldom do we talk about how much God needs us. He needs us. Tell your neighbor, he needs you. That's why you're here. He needs you. Well, you're saying, Pastor, if I don't, if I don't exist, God stops existing? No, God's going to exist. He'll exist without you. But he needs you to do what he calls you to do. He needs you to fulfill your, your assignment in the earth. That's why he made you the way he made you, put you, put in you what he put in you, allowed you even to go through some of the things that he allowed you to go through, all things that help shape you, your experiences shape you, or your environment shapes you, all those things, your expertise, the knowledge he gives you, it all shapes you so you can do what he calls you to do. Amen? Amen. And I'm convinced that in this house, we're going to get 100% fulfillment. 100% fulfillment. We're going to do it. Amen? Come on, give God this one more big shot tonight. Our Father and our God, tonight we thank you so much again for this time. We thank you for the word that we've received tonight. I pray that each person in this room would, uh, with open ears and open eyes and open hearts receive the revelation of who we are. Just like Jesus heard, you are my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. Let us hear and know who we are. And then beyond that, reveal to us what you've called us to do, exactly what you've called us to do. So that, Father, we won't waste any more time, any more energy, any more money, any more of our efforts trying to do something that you didn't call us to do, but that God will be laser focused and sharp on our assignments and our purpose that you've given us in the earth. I pray, Father, these are your people, that as we continue to grow in you and hear your voice, that God, um, we will just be fortified even the more, that the grace that comes on us gives us the ability to hear, divine ability, divine wisdom, divine energy to carry out the purposes that you give us. And I pray, Father, that not one of us, not one of us will fail to reach that divine destiny that you've given to each and every one of us. That God will celebrate when others 
achieve and accomplish things and manifest things in the kingdom of God. We'll celebrate when others reach their, their places in you. We'll celebrate when others, Lord, fulfill their assignments of God. God, we won't question you about our timing. We'll trust you. We'll trust your process that you are bringing us even to our expected ends. That God will fulfill your will and your purpose in our generation. So take our lives and do something with us, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. and amen. Praise the Lord.